0: Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Just a a wonderful day to to celebrate and bring honor and glory, not only to you, but to our Heavenly Father. Welcome those who are joining us online to you, and Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Uh, Today, we are wrapping up a five-part message series that we have done on the life of David. And on this Father's Day, I want to remind you of something that very few of us need to be reminded of, but I'm just going to remind you of it anyway. Are you ready? Here it is. Life rarely goes as planned. Did you know that? Life rarely goes as planned. Just yesterday, my wife and I... It was the first Saturday, the first opportunity we had to go to Ocean Grove. Usually, we've gone four or five times by now. But it's just been so busy. It's been rainy. So we get down there, and I'm so excited for the first time there. In fact, we saw Diane. We always see Diane there, and she said hi to us, and, and she blamed me for what took place. The clouds rolled in. We had to go home. But anyway... So we get there and we always get breakfast at Dunkin' Donuts. And and there's, for me, a cup of coffee sitting on the bench overlooking the ocean with my paper in hand, just thinking about the Lord. It doesn't get much better than that. So we get to the bench and it's windy. So I put down our beach, our beach bag and my coffee on the, on the boardwalk and we're wrestling with the blanket to get it covered because every time we put it down, the wind blows and, and we're wrestling with it. And little to my knowledge that the wind blew over the beach blanket like a domino effect, hit my coffee and knocked it over. So we get the blanket finally down. I reach down to get my coffee, the coffee cup's lying sideways with nothing in it. And we had to wrestle for our parking space. My wife says, I just, how many know? Life rarely goes as planned. We put on the suntan lotion because it was hot, even though it was windy. And I mean, three minutes later, the clouds roll in. There's no sun. And it's just cold, unpleasant. And in basically a half hour, we left. How many know life rarely goes as planned? However, everyone should have a plan. It's good to make plans. Plans are good. I'm a planner. I love plans. I love routine. I'm not fond of change. Everybody has a plan, should have a plan. But you also have to recognize The reality is that reality is greater than our plans. I want you to know I already have my two weeks vacation all planned. Sunny for 14 days, between 80 and 85 with low humidity. Plans are good. But not all of our plans work out the way we plan them. And at the end of the day, we realize that we have literally no control over some things. And at the end of the day, some of our plans, some of our dreams are never fulfilled title of my message today is when dreams don't come true and excuse me but on this father's day we're going to take a look at a very sad picture of a father and son relationship that has gone bad For me to do this, for you to understand the whole picture, I thought about this last night. In order for you to understand the whole picture today, I have to connect some dots. And as I connect the dots, it's going to form a picture which gives you better insight into the message this morning. So just bear with me. It all started in 2 Samuel chapter 11 with Bathsheba. And from there on in, David's family was just destroyed. It all started in chapter 11 when David sent his men off to war. And David, as a king, didn't go himself with the men. Now, throughout this whole series... We've been talking about how God didn't want Israel to have a king. He wanted to be their king. But Israel wanted to be like other nations. And they asked for a king. And God said, okay, I'll give you a king. But along with the king, there's going to be consequences. Because guess what? One of the problems of having a king is a king does what he wants to do. And you can't say no to a king. Did you know that? You can't say no to the king. Who is going to tell David, you have to go with the men? No, I want to stay here. No, you can't. You can't say no. That was one of the problems that the Lord saw with nations having kings. You don't say no to a king. So because David didn't go. Come on, you all know the story. One evening, David went up on, up on the rooftop. And splish, splash, he saw Bathsheba taking a bath. I don't know if it was a Saturday night, no. And for you younger generation, just Google splish, splash, she was taking a bath. And he inquired of her. Now, this is very important in connecting the dots. Don't forget the scripture verse. One of his servants says, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? And the wife of Uriah, the the Hittite, and David sends for her. What's the problem with having a king? You can't say no to a king. No, king, we're not going to do that. And when she says the king wants to see her, she can't say no to the king. So obviously she comes, and you know the story. They spend the night, I think perhaps it was a couple of nights, and she sends news later back to David that she's pregnant. Well, David says, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of this. I'll, I'll take care of this matter. I'll just get your husband to come in from war. And he gets Uriah to come in from war. And he just asks. And Uriah was a tough fighter. He was a tough warrior. He asked Uriah, how's things going out in the battlefield? Hey, as, as long as you're here, you might as well spend the night with your wife. <laughs> but Uriah, being a righteous man, doesn't go home. He sleeps on the porch of the palace. David finds out he didn't get home. David's trying to cover up his, his mistakes. He gets all infuriated. He says, he, he says have him stay another, another day. And he stays another day. David gets him drunk. Points him in the direction of his home. Now go be with your wife. But Uriah says, how can I be home with my wife when my men are out struggling on the battlefield and fighting? And he spends another night on the porch of the palace. Well, David writes a little letter to the commander, Joab, his general Joab, and and gives it to to Uriah. And and Uriah doesn't know it, but he's carrying his death warrant home, back to the battlefield. He hands it to Joab. Joab sees this letter from the king. In the fierce battle, in the toughest battle, in the fiercest battle, Put Uriah on the front line. How do you say no to a? And Uriah dies. Bathsheba goes into mourning. Now David's going to be the hero by taking this widow who's pregnant into the palace to raise the child. But how many know where there's a lot of servants, there are never secrets. And finally, David marries Bathsheba. Now we connect the dots of chapter 12. There's a prophet named Nathan. And Nathan comes to confront David, the king. And basically says, hey, there's this this poor family who has this little lamb and they treat it like a pet. And then there's this rich family who has a lot of livestock. And this rich family had a visitor come. And they needed to feed the visitor. So, so the rich man didn't take any of his livestock. He, he took the little lamb from this poor family. Slaughter it to feed his guest. And David is mad. He's furious. How dare a man do such a thing? And Nathan says, you're the man. You're the man in the story. Now, listen carefully. If you get nothing else, get this. With every sin, there are prepackaged consequences. Did you know that? There are consequences to our actions called sin. And Nathan tells David, this is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is very close to you. And he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. And then David does something very profound, very important. David weeps before the Lord and says, I have sinned against the Lord. What made David a man after God's own heart, even though he was a flawed man, as a king, he still allowed the word of God to break him. And he recognized that there was a greater king, God. I've sinned against the Lord. And David said, the Lord will take away your sin. You will not die. But there will be consequences for your actions. And that child born out of that union became very sick. And we read how David fasted and he prayed. And that child died. But let me remind you of something. In and midst our adversities, there's always the grace of God. Come on. In the midst of our adversities, in midst our trials, in the midst of our hardships, there's always the grace of God. And years later, out of that union, out of Bathsheba and David, comes who? Solomon, you know the story. Well, let's connect these dots. David's oldest son, Ammon, in chapter 13, he has these lustful eyes for his stepsister, Tamar. Tamar is the sister of Absalom. The son and the daughter of David. So Ammon has these lustful eyes for his half-sister. And if you don't know the story, it doesn't get pleasant. But through deception, Ammon violates Tamar. Absalom, her brother is furious. David hears about it. The king hears about it. He's furious. But guess what King David does? Nothing. In this season of parenting, throughout this season of parenting, David is always doing nothing. Now, we're not ever told why, but do you know why I think why? Because he lost his moral authority. Hey, Dad, what you did speaks so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. Who are you to tell me when you did? And Absalom, because his father won't do anything with Ammon, Absalom gets his mighty men and has Ammon killed, murdered. David mourns for Ammon. And it's at this time that Absalom flees. And when Absalom flees, it says that King David mourned for his son every day. For three years, King David mourns. Connecting the dots, chapter 14. Absalom Gets permission to come back to Jerusalem. And there's such an interesting commentary in verse 27. Absalom had three sons and a daughter were born to him. The daughter's name was Tamar. Don't you think that his sister wasn't so special? So special he names his own daughter after his sister. Absalom is in now Jerusalem for 2 years. For 2 years he's back. But he doesn't get to see the face of his father the king. 5 years has passed. And the end of chapter 14 the king summons Absalom and he came and bowed his face down before the ground and the king kissed Absalom and they all lived happily ever after happy father's day. But how many know that our plans don't always go the way we plan? Our dreams are not always fulfilled. Now we've connected the dots. Absalom is a man who's carrying a grudge. And that grudge turns into bitterness Because his father did nothing at the time. So what does Absalom do? Absalom goes down to the city gates every day and he's solving the problems of the people and he's earning favor with the people and, he's, and all of a sudden in the people's eyes, he's getting recognition and Absalom has a plan to rebel against his father, to overthrow his father's kingdom, to kick David out of Jerusalem and to take the throne himself. That's the motive. Listen, I want to talk to you about bitterness for something, for a moment. Bitterness, if it's not dealt with, I'm telling you, it will get the best of you. There's an awesome scripture verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. Hey, where there's bitterness, there's always grace. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. And see that no bitter root grows up to cause you trouble, to defy many. Here's the problem. Bitterness is a root. A root, you can look at trees, you can look at flowers, but do you see the roots? No, because it's underground. Bitterness is a root that takes place inside, and if it's left unchecked, it will grow and start to choke out vital organs where you feel no more emotions. It'll choke out your spirituality. And if it's undealt with, it makes itself present in your countenance, in your speech, and in your actions. And all Absalom can think of is revenge because my father did nothing. When my sister was violated. How many know a good person can also be a grudge person? There's a part in this story I never understood until this week. Until I started connecting the dots. And it all deals around Ahithophel. Ahithophel was the king King David's chief advisor. In those days, the advice of Ahithophel was like that of one who inquires of God. That's how both David and Absalom regarded Ahithophel's advice. Ahithophel was highly regarded by the king. He had access to the king. He had 24-7 access to the king. He he had he could go in and see the king. He was King David's Chief advisor. And not only do we read about his wisdom, but we read how Ahithophel would make sacrifices to the Lord. He was a believer. And not only was he a believer, not only was he a wise counselor, but even in Psalms 41, David says, Even my close friend, and he's referring to Ahithophel. We know that Ahithophel was a close friend to David, whom I trusted, whom shared bread with me, But yet, we're going to see Ahithophel turn on the king, which I never understood. How could this trusted friend, this worshiper, this wise counselor, this close, loyal friend, how is it that he would rebel against the king? I never understood. Absalom developing a coup to overthrow his father. Absalom does something that's very important. If you get key people to join, it gives your, it gives your, your, your rebellion even more credence. And who does Absalom go after? Absalom goes after Ahithophel because Absalom knew something about Ahithophel. Absalom knew that Ahithophel was carrying a grudge and he was a man about ready to explode. Now we've connected the dots. Are you ready? At the root of most bitterness is grudge. It was like ding, 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 ding when this went off. In 2nd Solomon, Chapter 23, it lists David's 30 mighty men's. And one of the men is Eliam, son of Ahithophel. So Ahithophel, David's chief counselor, had a son, and his name was Eliam. Now, where did we hear that name before? Remember when King David inquired of Bathsheba? Isn't that Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam? Come on, put it together. If the chief counselor, Ahithophel, had a son and his son had a daughter called Bathsheba, that makes Ahithophel the grandfather of Bathsheba. Now, it made all the sense in the world. Here was this grandfather, a close friend to the king, who still held a grudge of bitterness because of what the king did to his granddaughter, as well as having his son-in-law killed. A grudge is often the motive behind revenge. David flees Jerusalem, Absalom takes over, and he asks Ahithophel, David's once chief advisor, for advice. Now, if you don't think bitterness was in Ahithophel's heart, listen to the advice Ahithophel gives Absalom. Lie with your father's concubines, whom he left to take care of the palace. Then all Israel will hear that you have made a stench in your father's nostrils, and the hands of everyone with you will be strengthened. What Hithophel, the grandfather of Bathsheba, is basically telling Absalom, who overthrew his father's throne, is basically this. The king did it in private. Now let's make it public. And wasn't it Nathan, the prophet, who said, even a very close one of yours will sleep with your wives in public? The fulfillment of prophecy. And that takes place. The second advice never took place. But listen to what Ahithophel said. Let me, Absalom, let let, let me choose 12,000 men and set out tonight in pursuit of David. I will attack him when he is weary and weak. I will strike him down with terror, then all the people will flee. I will strike him down, only the king, and bring back the people. What is he looking for? Revenge. From a grudge that turned into bitterness that left unchecked. And now he wants revenge. Do you know the story? Absalom did not go with Ahithophel's advice. He took the advice of another counselor. And isn't it interesting in scripture, when Ahithophel rebelled against David, David prayed, oh Lord, make his advice like foolishness. Because Ahithophel's advice wasn't taken Ahithophel saddles his donkey. He goes home, puts things in order, and he takes his life. So sad. David, his mighty warriors, he divides them into three different uh, sections. And goes up against Israel. But David gave special orders to all of his generals. Do not touch the young boy Absalom. Do you see the love of a father for his son despite what his son's done? Don't touch him. David goes into battle, and Absalom is fleeing. Absalom was a a man, they said, he was very handsome with long, thick hair. And and his hair got stuck in the briars, and and the horse, his mule just kept riding. and, and, And here's Absalom just hanging in the briars from his long hair. And one of David's generals, General Joab, comes with three spears, even though he was told not to touch the king's son. And throws three spears right in his heart and kills the king's son. Happy Father's Day. Just hang with me here. Absalom dies. And chapter 18 ends with, my son Absalom. My son, my son Absalom. If only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, where's the Father's Day message in this? Hey, I realize sometimes plans don't go the way we plan. And sometimes there can be hurting fathers, hurting mothers, hurting grandparents. But listen, if you don't deal with those hurts... Absalom and Ahithophel, both who didn't deal with their bitterness in the story, they end up dead. David, a man who could have been bitter, was still broken by the king's words. Do you see it? A hurting father. Who found peace in God. A hurting father. Who had rest in Lord God. A, a hurting father. Who still trusted. And had hope. A hurting father. Who still believed the best. About his kids. Let me die. If only I could die instead of you. Even though David was flawed, he was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he would still allow God's law to break him. And we're going to end this series the way we began it. With a prayer of David from Psalms 51. Paraphrased 1, 3, and 5. In you, Lord my God. In you, Lord my God. I put my trust. My hope is in you all day long. Even though my plans are not going the way I planned. Even though life is not going the way I thought. As I anticipated In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust and my hope. You see, a believing parent, a believing grandparent, they never lose hope. They always hang on to the promises of God's word. They realize the power of the Holy Spirit can transform at any moment. hurting king but he found rest in the lord in you lord my god i put my trust and my hope is in you all day long would you bury heads with me pastor bonnie you can come Father, in life we realize plans don't always go as planned. Dreams fail. Dreams don't come true. But in the midst of David's family falling apart, David was a man who sought your heart. And in the midst of one who could be so bitter, We constantly see him mourning for his sons. In spite of bad decisions, he kept praying for his sons. And Lord, we've seen the opposite side of holding grudges, bitterness, anger, and what it will do to us. So on this Father's Day, Moms, dads, grandparents, our takeaway is not to be destroyed by hurts, not to become bitter, not to become resentful, not to hold grudges, but in you, Lord, my God, I will continue to trust and my hope Is in you all day long. Can we just stand to our feet? Can we just start singing this, the chorus of this awesome hymn? Great is thy faith. Great. Father, you said that it was necessary that you would go, that I would send a comforter. And I just ask for the presence of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to come and comfort, to grant peace. And our hope is in the power of the Holy Spirit that we know still transforms lives today Father just thank you for a different type of Father's Day message that Lord I pray we would apply to our hearts that we would not let the root of bitterness take root in our life in your precious and holy name we pray and all of God's children said Hey, next week we're starting a new series with everything taking place in this world today. Two words. Stay positive. Stay positive. So we're going to have a series about staying positive amidst the gas prices. God bless you.